Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, hey, Hope, happy Thanksgiving weekend. We are so excited you're here with us on on this holiday. If you are watching at one of our campuses at Morrisville or Garner or Raleigh or Apex, we are uh, so excited that you're here with us. For those of you watching online in your living room or wherever it is that you are, um, we're glad you're here too. We hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving weekend and holiday celebrating with family and with friends. Today, we are wrapping up the series that we have been in called House of Cards, and we're talking about how do we strengthen our families, right? How do we make our families better, stronger? And today we're going to hit the last topic in this series, which is parenting. Now, it's amazing how parenting can be the one thing, maybe more than any other thing, right, that can bring us the most um, thankful hearts and the most frustration and stress at, at the exact same time. Now, of course, in 30 minutes, we can't possibly hit all of the issues and all of the things that we deal with as parents. But I think what we are going to cover today is really going to help bring some perspective and some clear goals to all of our families. And so this is really a message for those of you that are parents. This is a message for those of you that are about to be parents. And let me just say congratulations to you. Uh, This is a message for those of you that one day you want to be a parent, right? Like not now, but maybe one day we'll, we'll kind of go down that road. This is a message for those of you that are helping another parent parent. This is a message for those of you that are watching or maybe helping your kids parent. And there's actually one other group in there that this message is for. This is also for those of you that aren't parents. And right now you're like, I don't ever want to be a parent. Here's why this message is for you too. The five things that we're going to talk about today are really beneficial to every relationship that you have in your life. This is going to benefit your family. It's going to benefit your friends, your your coworkers or your boss, the other students you hang out with or your teachers. This is really kind of a human thing that every single one of us needs these five things in our lives. Now, let me give you a couple of, of quick disclaimers just to kind of set this up. The first is this. I'm not a perfect parent, right? I'm sure you already knew that, um, but I just feel like I should get that out of the very beginning. Uh, Laura and I have one son. Our son, Ty, just turned 20 years old a couple of weeks ago. When he was born, he was just an incredibly easy kid, right? And, and so we had a lot of people in our lives that said, man, your next kid is going to be the devil. And we, we thought, wow, you clearly don't have the gift of encouragement, right? Like you maybe shouldn't talk to people if that's what you're going to say. But the other thing we discovered is that we did have the gift of wisdom. And so we stopped because we didn't want to introduce Satan into the rest of our family. Now, actually, the the truth is this. It really wasn't even our choice um, to stop having kids or, or to stop at one. And so, yes, we are incredibly blessed to have one healthy child in our lives, but we also can understand um, and relate to the frustration and to the pain of not being able to have um, any kids or, or any more kids in your life. And so let me just say this. I know that this is a hard topic for some of us. 
In fact, let me apologize even right now. I'm sorry for some of you that are sitting here and you're, you're listening to this and this is already bringing up some pain. It's bringing up some hurt. It's bringing up some discouragement and maybe even frustration. But let me just say this. I don't believe in coincidences. And I truly believe that God has you here for a reason and that we're going to talk about this for a reason in your life. Now, as, as I just said, Ty just turned 20 a couple of weeks ago. Laura uh, looks like she's still in her 20s, and so people say all the time, it's really cool that you hang out with your dad um, while I'm there with her, right? And so I just go ahead and I just make out with her just to make them feel as awkward as, as I feel in, in those moments. But here's what I know is true, that wherever Ty is when he's watching this message, that he may be pulling a neck muscle, nodding in agreement that I am not a perfect parent. I think I've told you this story before. When you're a parent and you find something good in the, in the fridge or or in the pantry, right? Like the last snack and your kids destroyed all the rest, but they, for some reason, they, they missed that one. It's like a euphoric moment, isn't it? It's like a miracle has happened right before your eyes. And then immediately, it's crazy how quickly your brain turns into that of a strategic squirrel um, hiding food for the winter. You, you try to figure out ways, how do I enjoy this without the rest of my family knowing that I have it? Uh, several years ago when Ty was young, I opened the freezer and I looked in and there was a box of ice cream sandwiches in there. And when I looked in, there was only one ice cream sandwich left. And when I took it out and closed the freezer door, there was Ty, right? It's like he could smell it. And, and he's like, Dad, ice cream sandwiches, I want one. And I honestly didn't even think about it. I just instinctively kind of squeezed the box a little bit and turned it upside down and went, I'm sorry, Ty, there's, there's none left. And he's like, oh man. And he walked away. And then I enjoyed the last ice cream sandwich. Now, now I, I tell you this, I'm not proud of it necessarily, but I will tell you that the last one always tastes better than any of the rest in, in, in the box, right? And so clearly I'm not a perfect parent. Just feels like we should have that said right up front. This is the other disclaimer. I didn't have perfect parents in my life. I had great parents, and, and I was so fortunate to have them. They loved God. They loved each other. They loved me and my sister. They tolerated her, right? And so I, I had great parents, but I didn't have perfect parents because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So let's admit it. We've all messed up, right? We've all done things that we know we shouldn't have done. We've all said things that we know we shouldn't have said. Not even just as parents. It happens as kids, too, in that dynamic. And so let me just say this. Everyone kind of take a deep breath, right? You can't change the past. But here's what we can do. We can make changes today that will impact the future trajectory of our families. And so with all that said, I think the Bible teaches us five things. There's probably way more, but there's at least five things that I want to look at today that every child needs in their lives. And to be honest, every human needs in their lives. And so I want to show you these five essentials, and then we're going to have a couple of, of clear applications at the end of what you can do with this in your life. Well, now, I was a student ministries pastor for over 20 years. And uh, as a student ministry pastor, right, the first five years of our marriage, hanging around with high school students and middle school students, it was the best form of birth control you could ever ask for, right? Like, I'm not even sure that Laura and I lived in the same apartment half the time because we just didn't even want to accidentally have something happen, right? It, it was incredible. But it's also amazing that during those five years, I was also an expert on parenting, helping all of the parents in our student ministry. And then I became a parent, right? And then you realize how quickly you, you don't know anything. Nothing prepares you to be a parent. And so I tried to think, man, how do I sum up the state of parenting without taking up all of our time just talking about that? And then I found this video. Check this out.
it is right there, right? Like, and he was fine at the end. You can run as fast as you need to as a parent, right? You can take leaps of faith, and we have to all the time because most of the time we don't know what we're doing. You can have incredible form as a parent, but here's what I know is true. Every single day, we just seem to come up short, don't we? We just don't quite hit the mark that we're striving for or that our kids want us to strive for. The more I talk to parents, the clearer it is just how stressed out they are, how overcommitted and overwhelmed and overloaded they are. They're just kind of over the whole thing, right? It's because we have little to no margin in our lives, which makes it feel like our families are like a rubber band, right, that is stretched all the way to as far as it can go. And if there's any more tension that's added to our family, we know that it's just going to snap. See, I think the pressures and the tensions that families are facing now, I think they've increased exponentially just in the last five to 10 years. And so I want to show you something. I want to show you a verse that this was my theme verse when I was in student ministry. This is the verse that uh, I built my philosophy of ministry around. It's the verse that got me up in the mornings after I had barely slept and had still undigested um, Waffle House in me from hanging out with students way too late the night before. This gave me purpose in, in my ministry. And when we had tie it, I switched it over and it became my purpose as a parent. It's Psalm 71 and it says this, Oh God, you have taught me from the earliest childhood and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. See, I want to show you how to bring out the best in your kids. And as I said earlier, this is not just for your kids. This is to bring out the best in everyone in, in our lives. Here's the first thing. It's this, is that we need to start by accepting their uniqueness. You see, every child is unique. If you have more than one child in your family, you already know this is true, right? That every child is, is completely different. There are no two people who are exactly the same. Even identical twins are different in thousands of different ways, from fingerprints to voice prints to eye prints to footprints to personalities to, to the way their hair like flows, right? Like all kinds of different things. I don't know if you figured this out, but here's something that's true about God. God loves diversity. In fact, if you're watching at one of our campuses right now, just look up and down your row. Or if you're sitting at home, look around at the other people sitting in your living room. If you're at a coffee shop, look around the coffee shop. What you're going to see is that everybody looks and talks and smells and acts different than you do. Paul talked about this in, in Ephesians 2 verse 10. He said this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Before you were even born, right? It's incredible to know that God custom designed you. I love this word masterpiece. It's literally the word poema, and it's where we get our word poem from, which means that you literally are a work of art. You're a one-of-a-kind creation. And then it says in that next sentence, right, it actually has the word created in there, and that word created, it literally means this. It means to design with a certain ability, capability, or capacity, which means this. There's no random people, Right? You may have been an accident to your parents, but you were never an accident to God. That you are a custom-made, one-of-a-kind that was created for a very specific purpose and with a very specific plan for your life. And so are each of your children. Each and every one of them. Have you ever looked at a piece of art before? Or maybe you stood next to somebody who was looking at it and they're like, man, the intricacies and, and, and all the things, it brings out so much emotion and they're talking about all this. And, but you're looking at this piece of art and you're just like, 
I, I don't understand it, right? Like, I just, I, I don't get it. That's parenting right there, right? We have these incredible, unique masterpieces, these one-of-a-kind works of art in front of us, and we look at them, and we're like, I don't understand you, right? Like, clearly you're your father's because I don't know where, I don't know where this came from. It's what happens in all of our lives because we're all unique. Now, there are two enemies that fight our uniqueness. And it's this, it's the pressure to compare and it's the pressure to conform. You see, the pressure to compare is everywhere. And I, and I think social media has just blown this up over the past handful of years. It's this giant comparison tool, right? Where we post a picture and somebody posts a, a better picture. You post your vacation and they have a better vacation. You post your charcuterie board and they have a charcuterie table, right? Like there's always this one-upmanship that happens. We live in a world of constant comparison. When I drive around, I drive around, I only listen to sports radio, right? And it's all of these people talking about comparing one quarterback to another quarterback one team to a, another team. It happens in athletics and academics, in our appearance, in our economic status. Guys, we do this with our lawns, right? We compare it to, to somebody else's. Look at 2 Corinthians 10. It says this, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we're as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. See, we need to understand this, and we need to teach this to our kids. Comparing ourselves to others is, is just a waste of our time. God never intended for you to be like anyone else. And maybe this is something you heard growing up. In fact, maybe this is even something you said on the way to church this morning. Maybe you said, why can't you be more like your brother or more like your sister? See, here's the reality. We can't compare our kids to each other. We can't compare our kids to any other kid. We should never compare anyone to anyone else. And the answer is simple. It's because we are all unique. Now, the other things that our, our kids are, are fighting is this pressure to conform. Conforming is just simply trying to be like, like somebody else. That I want to look like that. I want to be like that. I want their life. Right? In the moment that I start comparing my life to someone else's, what happens is that I actually press pause on God's purpose and God's plan for my life because I take that other person and I make them kind of like a small G God in my life. Right? They begin to, to shape and to mold and influence my life instead of God, who is the only one that was intended to do that. And so we need to model and then we need to teach our kids that we're not supposed to conform to anything but Jesus. See, Romans 12 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the world's value system? Well, there, there's all kinds of things that the world values, right? Status and sex and, and salary. It, it values passion and possessions and position. It values appearance and academics and, and athletics, all of these different things. But instead, look at what it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Do you want to know what God's will is for your kid's life? See, you have to let God transform you to be more like Jesus instead of conforming to be like somebody else. The first step in bringing out the best in our kids or really the best in, in anybody else in our lives is to accept and to appreciate the unique masterpiece that God created our children to be. Here's the second one. It's this. It's we need to affirm their value. 
Most parents will affirm their kids, right, on their birthday or uh, during a graduation or if you accomplish something, right, you hit the uh, game-winning home run or whatever that might be, right, that we, we appreciate then. But, but you know what? That, that's just not, that's not enough. Affirming people's value is, is different than simply accepting their uniqueness. And it's different because of this. It needs to happen constantly. Why? Because our kids need it. Because we need it, right? We, we all need this in our lives. I don't think that you can give too much affirmation to someone. We all need to be reminded regularly how valuable we are. Your kids need to hear you say that they are important. They need you to say that, you, that they matter to you, right? That, that, that you value them, that God has chosen them. They need to hear those things over and over and over in their lives. In fact, look at what Jesus said about how much God values us. Look at Matthew chapter 10. It says this, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it, right? Not, not one bird can, can die, can crash, can come down to the ground without God knowing that that's happening. And then look what he says in verse 31. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Do you know how to know how much something is worth? It's really kind of simple. It's, it's simply how much is somebody willing to pay for something? Right. Babe Ruth um, is known as, as the, the greatest home run hitter of all time. He, he hasn't hit the most home runs, but he's just known as the greatest home run hitter. And, and during Babe Ruth's life, he signed tons of baseballs, right? All kinds of baseballs have his autograph and his name on it. But there's something unique about Babe. He only signed seven of his home run bats. Can I show you something? This is one of those bats. I'm just kidding. It's totally not. It's not one of those bats. If it was, I wouldn't be here today. Um, well, I probably would, but I'd, I'd be doing it from like a beach or something like that, right? Like if, if I had had one of those seven autographed Babe Ruth bats, that's all that has ever existed. There's a story in 1998, there was this guy and, and he owned one of those seven bats. He was on his deathbed. He had no living relatives and he was being taken care of by a nurse named Marcia. And then on his deathbed, he gave his Babe Ruth autographed bat to her as a gift to thank her for all that she had done for him. She had no idea what she had. She wasn't a baseball fan. And so she took the bat home and she thought, well, just in case I ever need it for protection, maybe I'll just put it here under the bed. And that's where it sat for 18 years. For 18 years, everyone knew where the other six bats were, but there was one missing bat. Well, in 2016, she retired and she had a dream of opening up a restaurant, but she didn't have enough money. And so she wondered one day, she thought about this bat. She went, I wonder if that bat is worth anything. And so she got it out from underneath her bed. She took it to a sports memorabilia store and, and she showed it to the owner. And when he saw the bat, he was absolutely shocked, right? He said, you have no idea what you have in your possession. And so she took that back to an auction and she sold it for $1.3 million dollars simply because of the name on it. See, without the name on that bat, it's, it's, it's just a, a, a normal bat, right? It's like a hundred bucks with, with free shipping, right? Like it's got value. There, there's worth to it. But when Babe Ruth signed his name on it, right, the, the, the value increased immensely. It's important for us to understand this. You are valuable. In fact, your kids are so valuable. Why? Because they were created by God. Now here's the deal. No, no matter how hard we work, no matter how much effort we put into being the, the best that we can be, we can't increase our value 
Because your real value isn't found until, until God puts his name on you. See, when you say yes to Jesus, what happens is that God writes his name on your heart. He writes his name on your life. And when that happens, right, your value increases exponentially because you move from being a creation of God's to a child of God's. And so do you want to know how much you're worth? It's real simple. You just look at the cross because that's where Jesus died for you. And that shows how valuable you are to God. And so how do we help increase our kids' awareness of, of their value in this world? There's two things, I think. The first is this, is we remind them how much God loves them every single day. The second, though, is this, that we do every day. It's this, we show them every day. Show them one is in your attention. Right? Put your phone down, turn the TV off, look them in the eyes, listen to their stories, get down on your hands and knees and play with them. You, you give them your attention every single day. Second one is this, is your affection. Hug them. Right? And not just when they do something that deserves a hug, right? especially when they, when they haven't done anything that might deserve it. Just hug your kids all the time so they know they are loved unconditionally. Third one is this, is appreciation. Catch them doing the right things and then praise them for it. If you're anything like me, it's so much easier to be critical and to point out the things that our kids don't do well than it is to point out the things that they're doing well. Here's a third one, is that we need to trust them with increasing responsibility. See, nothing brings out the best in our kids or really in anybody than showing them that we trust them, that we believe in them, right? Telling somebody, I know that you can do this. In fact, Jesus said that the way that we help people grow is by putting our trust in them, that we teach them to be response-able, that they know how to respond when they're in situations and circumstances where they have to be responsible. In Luke 16, Jesus gives us three ways to help people become responsible, because this is really our job as parents, right? It's to move our kids from being dependent on us to a period of independence, and then to be dependent on God, but to do the entire thing with responsibility. So how do we do that? Well, Jesus shows us three ways. Here's the first. We trust them with small things. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He said this, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in larger ones. And so you start early and you start small. Start by giving your kids just a little bit of responsibility. Ask them to begin helping you with cleaning stuff up and then give them more and more responsibility in that as they get older. Here's the second. Trust them with possessions and money. Look at what he said in verse 11. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? You see, money in our lives, is, it's simply a test. What God is watching is he's watching to see what are we going to do with the material possessions and the, the wealth and the, and, and the money and the stuff. What, what are we going to do with the, those things? Because if we can't be trusted with that, then God can't trust us with more important things, which are people and influence. And so a simple way to develop your kids' responsibility is just to give them a small allowance uh, real early in life. It doesn't have to be much, right? Because they don't need very much. But then you teach them to put some aside to give to God, put some aside to save for themselves, and then they can spend the rest however they want to. Here's the third way it's this, is that you trust them with something that doesn't belong to them. Right? Before you buy them a guitar, uh, let them see how they handle your guitar. Before you buy them a car, uh, see how they handle your car. Look at what Jesus said in verse 12. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? 
See, we need to teach our kids how to be responsible, how, how to be respond able when they're in situations where they have to deal with stuff, how to deal with their stuff, how to deal with other people's stuff, and recognizing that ultimately everything that's been given to us is, is been given to us from God anyways. Here's the fourth thing, is that we need to correct without condemning. We all need correction at times, right? Because none of us are perfect. The Bible says that we have all sinned. We all make mistakes. We all have a natural nature inside of us that wants to do things our way instead of God's way. Look at what it says in Proverbs 3. It says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Now notice God's correction is not for punishment, right? God's correction comes out of love. Now, now this may shock you. But, but I want to show you something. If you're God's child, right, if you have said yes to Jesus, God never punishes you. Why? Well, it's simple. It's because Jesus took all of your punishment on the cross. And so what God does is he corrects you. He never punishes you. Now that may sound like semantics, but there's really a big difference. And, and let me show it to you this way. Punishment looks at the past, right? Punishment is saying you're going to pay a penalty for something that you did in your past. But discipline is correction for the future. Discipline is saying, I want to set you up so that you make different decisions, better choices the next time you face a circumstance or a situation like this. You see, God doesn't punish you when, you're sin, if you, when you sin, if you're a follower of Jesus, because Jesus already paid for all of your sins. Right? including the ones you haven't even committed yet, the ones that you're going to do next week, next month, next year. And Jesus is taking care of all of that. And so when you do something and then something bad happens to you, right? maybe you've said this or maybe you've heard someone else say this, this is God getting even with me. It, it, that's not true. God never gets even with you because he's already paid for all of your sin on the cross. And so as parents, Right? We have to, to treat our kids in the exact same way. We can't punish them for the past. We want to correct them for the future, set them up to make better decisions the next time they face that situation. The purpose behind it and the goal from it is, is very important for us to understand. And so let me give you a couple thoughts on how to correct without condemning. Here's the first, never correct in anger. Right? If you have to discipline your kid and you're angry, stop. Walk away, cool down, and then come back and deal with whatever discipline you need to do. But you never do it out of anger. Here's the second, is that you need to choose your words carefully. Of all of the times that you need to be precise and you need to really think through the things that you're going to say, it is during a time of discipline because there's something traumatic about those moments, right? And, and, and those words will be remembered in your kid's brain for a long, long time. And so you want to choose your words very, very carefully when you're disciplining or correcting your children. Here's the last one. Last one is this, is that we, we learn to love them unconditionally. Let me give you two practical ways. The first is this, is that we forgive them. Right? Loving unconditionally means that you learn to offer forgiveness, that you learn to ask for forgiveness, you learn to accept forgiveness when you need to, you even learn to forgive uh, yourself. Do you want a great marriage? Right? I mean, Chase talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Laura and I have been married for 25 years, and I think there is a secret to a great marriage. It's simply this. A great marriage is, is, is a union of two great forgivers. And I can tell you that Laura is probably the greatest forgiver on the planet, right? And I test her all the time with it, not on purpose. I'm, I'm just that kind of guy, right? And, and so that's what it takes. If you are great at forgiving, you're going to have a great marriage. If you're bad at forgiving, well, then your marriage is going to be incredibly difficult. Well, the same is true when it comes to parenting 
our kids. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says this, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How did God forgive you? He forgave you completely, right? He forgave you instantly. He didn't have to think about it and go, well, I don't know, Donnie, I mean, you did this yesterday and you did it the day before. Actually, this has been an ongoing pattern in your life. No, he did it completely. He did it instantly and he did it freely. And that's how we forgive our kids. And when we do this, guys, here's what happens is that we actually teach our kids how to forgive others, including ourselves, because there will come a day when you have to ask your kids to forgive you. And that wasn't the best way to handle that situation. I'm sorry for the words that came out of my mouth, right? We're going to need to teach them how to forgive us as well. Here's the second thing. Never give up on them. You just never give up. When you love someone unconditionally, you never give up on them no matter what happens. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I love that, right? Love endures through every circumstance. That doesn't mean that it's easy to do, but it's always hopeful. It never gives up on people. You see, God has never given up on you. Your, your parents, your parents may have given up on you a, a long time ago, but, but your father in God has never given up on you and will never give up on you. And he wants to help us love our kids and love others in the exact same way. Now, let me just say this. To those of you that are, are parents and uh, maybe you've got a kid that's making some bad decisions right now, uh, or you've got a kid that is or, or has walked away from their relationship with God, I just from the bottom of my heart, don't stop loving them, right? Just keep chasing after them. You don't have to like their behavior, right? It's to show them that you're willing to love them unconditionally, right? It might mean that you still have to correct and you might have to discipline them, but you do it out of that same unconditional love. Your heart may be broken. You may be absolutely exhausted, but God wants to come alongside you and he wants to continue to give you the strength to love those kids right where they are and to be there when they're ready to come home. Now, let me give you two simple applications for this. Maybe not as simple as they may sound, but I think they can be. Here's the first one. The greatest parenting tip that I can give you is this. Practice parenting on someone else's kids, right? That is, honestly, that is, that is the best way for us to do it, is to practice parenting on someone else's kids. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Every single parent that's watching me is to do this. I want you to serve in our family ministries in a ministry that is two years older than where your kids are. If you've got uh, multiple kids, then, then you and your spouse, right, you, you divide up and, and take the oldest two. And so if you have a third grader, then you serve in Kid City in the fifth grade ministry. If you have a fifth grader. You serve in our middle school ministry in, in, with seventh graders. And here's why. Let me give you five reasons why you will benefit from this. The first is this. When you spend time with those kids, you're going to begin to hear and see what the issues are at that age, right? You're going to hear the things that they're talking about. You're going to listen to the things that they're, that they're stressed over. You're going to hear what it is that they're watching on TV, the music they're listening to, the things that are important at that age. And it's cool because your kids aren't there yet, right? And so you get to to listen and experience what kids are going through at that age. Here's the second thing. You get to learn from the good kids 
and then connect with their parents, right? As you're, as you're leading a small group or whatever that may look like, there's going to be kids in there. You're going to be like, man, I hope my kid turns out like this kid in a couple of years. We'll track down that parent and say, can I buy you coffee? Help me. How did you get your kid there? What did you do? How do you handle this situation, right? And you've got built-in mentors that can come out of that. Here's the third one, though. You also get to learn from the not good kids in, in that group, right? Uh, and, and feel better about your parenting skills. That, that's something that comes out of this. Now, I joke but here's what we need to do with that is that we need to then come alongside those families. Clearly, there's, there's stuff that, that we all need help at times, right? So you get to come alongside and you get to support that family in the same way that you would hope someone would come alongside and support you. And here's what I know God will do. I, I can promise you this, is that the more you invest on that side and someone else's kid, that God is going to bring people into your life that is going to invest in your kids and your family as well. Fourth one is this. Learn everything you can so that you can um, be prepared when your kids get into that stage. That's why you want to be two grades in front. So it gives you some time to be prepared. Otherwise, as parents, we're trying to figure it out in real time as we go. Well, this is the way to get in front of that and to learn in advance. And the last one is this. By serving other families, your kids actually begin to learn the value of serving others. And that's such a big deal in our families. That's the first one. Here's the second opportunity, and, and I'm, I'm so excited about this. It's our Next Level Parenting Conference. And we're offering a parenting conference that's coming up on January 29th of 2022. And so you've got lots of time uh, to get this on your calendar and to make this a priority. It's for parents of children from ages baby through young adult, right? And so we're talking all parents can come and be a part of this. And the purpose is simply to encourage you and then it's to give you practical applications that you can literally put into practice in your family right away. And so you can register and get all the information for this by going to gethope.net slash conference. All of the details are there for you to sign up. But this is a great, you need to sign up for this, put it on your calendar, and then invite other parents to come in and to join you in this as well. Guys, I know this was a lot. Right? It was a lot to try and cram in, into, into 30 minutes. But remember this, there's no such thing as perfect parents. Okay, but imagine, imagine what it would look like in our families if we began to put these things into practice. And, and don't try to do all five necessarily right away. Just start with one. But imagine what it would look like if your kids knew that they were accepted for their uniqueness, that they were accepted and that you parented them based on their unique masterpiece, their design, the way that God has made them. What if they knew that their value was affirmed on a daily basis, that they knew God loved them and they know so clearly that you love them? What if, they're, if they see that they're being trusted with increasing responsibilities and when they make good decisions, that, that's celebrated and, and you're setting them up for on a course of making great decisions in their lives. You correct without condemning. We're not going to blame them for the past, but we're going to set them up to be great, responsible people in the future. And then finally, they know that they're loved unconditionally. I mean, I think those five things will not only change your kids, but I think it'll change the dynamics of our families and as a result, it will change your life as well. That's what we want for you. I hope this series has been incredibly helpful to you. We want to continue to journey along with you and, and all of our families. And so if there's anything we can do, please don't hesitate to reach out. We have an incredible family ministry that would love to help you continue to take your next steps in your journey as a family. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we just want to say thank you. God, thank you for your incredible love for us. That God, from the very beginning, you designed us and you made us as masterpieces, as one of a kind. And so, Father, I thank you that every single person in this room has unbelievable value. 
Because Jesus, you loved us so much that you died on a cross for us so that you could write your name on our hearts, on our lives, that you could transform and change the trajectory of our lives. So God, we're so grateful for that. And, and we love you so much in response to that. And Father, I pray for every single parent, uh, parents to be future parents, those that are helping parents parent, right? Those that are watching their kids parent. Father, even those that aren't parents and maybe have no desire to be parents, Father, would you help us to come alongside and to speak into that next generation, to remind them, God, of the incredible things that we have seen you do in our lives. And God, as a result, help to raise them up, to embrace their uniqueness, God, to, to affirm their value. Father, that we'll teach them responsibility and that we'll correct them in a path to make good decisions with their lives while loving them unconditionally and God releasing into this next generation. Father, the things that they need to follow you. And Father, to, to make an unbelievable difference in this world. And so God, I pray for every parent that God, you would just bless them in a special way, mostly through some sleep tonight, but, but God, through all of these other things as well. And God, may we bring you honor and may we bring you glory as we parent every single day of our lives. May it be the most important thing that we chase after the greatest responsibility, the greatest gift you have given to us um, here on earth as parents is to raise up and to love those kids. Help us to do it well. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us first and loving us perfectly. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.